Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. You are the best. You got the best. We roll tonight to the guitar fight. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast. Brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. They say August is the Sunday of summer, but right here on the Music Mania Podcast, we are just getting started. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. It has been a tremendous summer, some great interviews, still been able to get out and enjoy the outdoors, even without live music. Of course, we miss it. We want it to come back, but I hope you guys are having a great one as well. I'm out on the road traveling on vacation this week in Florida, so bringing you a best of episode, some of my favorite guests from the past, some things that kind of I like to hearken back to and remember some of the tremendous times I've spent out on the road and and interviewing musicians and looking back at some of the musicians that really helped shape what we are here on this podcast. So we're going to go back. We're going to take you to uh, some clips from interviews I've done with guys like Ted Nugent uh, from Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. Going to go back to my first ever in-person interview with uh, Jeff Pilsen from Dockin and Foreigner. Did that at the State Fair back in uh, 2013. I've got um, an interview I did right before uh, the end of Twisted Sister's career with uh, none other than guitarist J.J. Friend. And I'm even going to throw in my first ever in-person interview with uh, former White Lion frontman Mike Tramp. So this is going to be fun to kind of go back and check out some of these interviews, all in different incarnations, all from different years. The Joe Elliott one, I believe, is the uh, more recent one. And uh, last 4th of July definitely was the Ted Nugent interview. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane and kind of just hearkening back to kind of why we do this podcast, why it's important to me to keep bringing you interviews each week. It's because of these artists sharing their stories, kind of connecting with them. And that's what this podcast is about. This show has never been about me giving a bunch of musical opinions or doing top 10 lists or, you know, shoving my opinions down your throat. It's about these stories and it's about these guys. And it's about the fact that I'm so passionate about this music and about hard rock in general and about music overall. It's literally a dream come true for me to be able to interview these musicians, no matter how big, no matter how small, They all play such an important role in in my life and my upbringing and why I love music. So this is tremendous. We're going to go back. We're going to take it back. And uh, we're going to start off with my interview last 4th of July with Ted Nugent. Well, you know, I'm I'm a celebrator of all things good while I fight and try to destroy all things bad and ugly. So this, you know, I'll be 71 glowing, youthful, outrageous, attitude, spirit years old this year. 71! Count them. And in my 71 years, I suspect I was paying attention by 1949. Anyhow, this is the best president I have ever seen. This is a hell-raising, we the people, Constitution, Bill of Rights. Be the best that you can be. Here it is. Here's the battle cry of my favorite president. America first. Whoa, that's radical. (laughs) Whoa, America first. That's controversial in Cuba. Anyhow. 
now, yeah, I think Donald Trump's doing a great job. He represents the heart and soul of the heart and soul of this country, the heartland of this country, the farmers, the ranchers, the private property owners, the, the entrepreneurs working hard, playing hard Americans who earn their own way, live within their means, save for a rainy day, take risks and make sacrifices to be in the asset column. Yeah, all those really perfect things are controversial, <laughs> which means we've got a bunch of numbnuts at the Democrat Party who clearly don't believe in America first. So, you know, my guitar playing is, it has a life of its own, and my band is so good, it's stupid. The music we make is so much fun, it's out of body, it has, it's just a power, powerful force in our American dream and our quality of life. But I think my guitar is more intense today. Jason and Greg, they have more energy and more attitude and spirit in every song, every time we jam. This is going to be the greatest tour of my life. And it might have a lot to do with the incredible positive spirit that this president represents, that he exudes, and that he fights for. And that is the best people in, the Amer in America that are in the asset column. So you're damn right I celebrate the 4th of July Independence Day every damn day. Your Broad Brothers, Greg Smith, Jason Hartless. You've played with some great ones. This group, I don't know, this set's above. We were good friends with Greg Smith. He also plays with Tommy James, kind of a blood brother of yours from Detroit. And uh, what what a group this is. Is this the best you've had? Tommy, Tommy Clufados, Tommy Aldridge, uh, Marco Mendoza. You've played with some greats, man. But these guys, these guys are cut above. Well, you really examine. I mean, I think I think maybe God loves me more than he loves you. I'm just, just a hunch, just an idea. But, but the fact that I have been surrounded by the most gifted, talented, outrageous virtuosos and just soulful, soulful animal musicians all my life. I was talking to John Brake, my original singer from 1959 here recently. I was on the phone just the other day with Mitch Ryder, who I opened up for with my band The Lourdes in 1960 when we won the Battle of the Bands that next year. And my band opened up for a band called Billy Lee and the Rivieras, and they were just teenage Detroit punks like we were, like the garage band personified. This is before the Stones, before the Beatles, before the English uh, return of Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Motown and Little Richard music. You know, all that American defiant, authoritative music is what inspired every great band in the world. So I was exposed to such dedicated gifted musicians, Johnny Bonagic on drums at 15. Now, Billy Lee and the Rivieras changed their name to Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels a few years after that. But these guys, Jimmy McCarty on Gibson Birdland through a Fender ramp, Joe Kubrick on a Gibson 335 through a Fender twin amp, and the mighty Earl Elliott on a Rickenbacker bass through a, an Ampeg B-18. That, and Mitch Ryder, Billy Lee, LeVice, turned into Mitch Ryder, and he was just a teenager. And I think I was, I don't know, was I 13 or 14 years old? And I'm watching these guys, and I was aware of Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley, and I was playing all those songs, and, and Lonnie Mack and Dwayne Eddy and all these guitar monsters that really paved the way with this brand new electric guitar. That, I mean, guys, it was just electrified before I was born in 48, so it was <laughs> uncharted territory. So I saw a tightness and a, and a throttle and a musical cohesive force to reckon with when I was just a kid, even though I was doing everything I could to play Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and Little Richard Outrage, 
I, I had never been in front of a wall of sound like these guys. And so my, uh, the reason I'm referencing that is because I've been to the mountaintop. I witnessed the mountaintop. A few years later, uh, tour with the Amboy Duke, I actually, come on, I played bass guitar for Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley, and you wonder why I'm like this? I mean, <laughs> I've literally been in the bosom of the musical gods, and I waddled there relentlessly. So when you see a Greg Smith on bass guitar, he's been with me for a dozen years now. Jason Ireland is only 23 years old. Yeah. What an animal from Detroit. But you look at my Detroit guys, you know, Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers came and jammed with me, and he's a Detroit guy. And of course, Tommy Clefellos, Tommy Aldridge. Uh, uh, I played with Anton Fig and the mighty Cliff Davies and KJ Knight and, 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 and Dave Palmer. And I mean, so many unbelievable uh, Michael Cardelloni with the damn Yankees. I have literally been in the presence of the top 1% of music force all my life. And I got to tell you, with that in mind, 2018, the music made me do it. The greatest tour of my life, not even close. And think of what I'm saying. Think of the tour, the gigs that I've done with Cliff Davies and Rob Grange and Derek St. Holmes. Think of the bass, the damn Yankees. Think of my positions. For me to tell you with absolute non-flinchability in 2019, I guarantee when I hit the road in July, if the reason I'm starting in California is because it's kind of a humanitarian thing. They need me out there. <laughs> yes. But the reason... That I am absolutely dead certain that this will be the greatest, most fun, and that's the most important thing, the most fun, inspiring, stimulating, grooving, grinding, outrageous, uh, sonic, bombast, noise fest of grinding, grunting, throttling, animal breeding music in the history of the world. When Jason and Greg and I get together, I'm telling you, it, it's it's samurai. It's musical samurai Zen yoga. You know, mountaintop, um, flying above the stratosphere on the wings of the Gibson Birdland noises, and it, it's so much fun for me for me to be able to celebrate this as I approach my seventy first birthday. Am I the luckiest son of a bitch that's ever walked the earth, or what? And are you lucky to witness the luckiest son of a bitch that ever walked the earth? So this is a fun, fun time for me. And now I'm going to take you to an interview I did with Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. He had just released um, an album from his um, side project called Down and Outs. And I was able to catch up with Joe for the very first time. We'd had Phil Collin on the show before, Vivian Campbell on the show many times. But this was the first time I ever got to speak with one of my favorite front men of all time, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. Joe, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you because you're just coming off of, a, of an extremely successful um, run with Def Leppard in Las Vegas. I was able to catch uh, the tail end of that uh, in September. What... The Vegas residency was a huge success for you guys. Just kind of talk about what that was like for you. We had Phil on right around the time it happened. He was very excited about it. It went, it went great. You guys were able to pull out a lot of songs fans hadn't heard in a while. Just from your perspective, what was that Vegas residency like? It was great fun. You know, I mean, because it, it, it takes you out of the norm. You know, you're, you're for 40 odd years, you're forever like, um, you know, tour album, tour album, tour album, and it just became, you know, it becomes, that's what it is, and the, and the fantasy music industry's kind of, it's moved on a little bit since then, because the, the routine of tour album, tour album, sort of kind of went away over the last 15, 20 years, people don't really buy music much, so people don't make as many records, touring has become way more important, and 
So, you know, you're, you're forever on the road and you're, you're in different city every night. To be able to go to uh, Vegas and do, uh, you know, pretty much uh, vastly different songs uh, than what we'd normally play on a, on, a, on a tour. You know, we didn't have a new album to promote so we could really go deep into the catalogue. And change it up every night and play a different set every night and pull out some, some stuff that nobody was expecting us to play, things like Die Hard the Hunter, for example, you know. And it was just, uh, it was a joy to be able to do that and such a vibe to actually be able to, you know, sleep in the same bed for a month and still be playing shows, you know. That was uh, that was something that we, we kind of really dug when we did it in 2013. And... Um, you know, to be able to go back there and do it on a much bigger stage than we did back then when we did Viva Hysteria. And this time it was more a case of like just not just concentrating on one record, but con concentrating on the legacy that we've got, which is the entire catalogue and, and digging so deep, you know. I mean, the only album we didn't really touch was the first album, but we played pretty much something off every record, including two or three songs that we've never played live ever. So that was really exciting for us to be able to do that. And it was an environment which you could do that in. It wouldn't be something that you could really take on the road, I don't think. It wouldn't work as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just in general, Joe, before we let you go, just kind of talk about what these last few years have meant for you. I mean, it's it's crazy. We talked to Phil and about how Def Leppard has never been uh, so popular or so busy. You guys just went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, of recently, which congratulations for that. That's a huge honor. And uh, stadium tours with Journey, huge sold out tours in the United States for the past several summers and to still be able to hit those markets and, and the fans are clamoring for more. Joe, just what's what's the last few years, the last four years been like for you? Because it's been just, it's been a galactic rise for Def Leppard once again, which is hard to do when you guys are already uh, on top of the rock world, but you guys have managed to outdo yourselves once again. Yeah, it's it's a blessing to be able to do this. You know, I mean, the, the, the logic of it says that there aren't many bands that, that are in a position to be able to sustain like we have. You know, we look at people like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and, and solo artists like Paul McCartney or, you know, or bands like the Rolling Stones. These are the people that you kind of, you know, you um, you kind of aspire to kind of follow or coattail, if you like, you know. Um, we're just blessed that we're able to do this. I think the fact that we had such a strong catalogue of hits in the 80s, you know, two albums that went platinum um, ten times over, so they were like diamond albums, you know, and and, and, and other albums that fact so, you know, by the millions and all that kind of stuff. We got, uh, we got such a lucky situation that we're in that... <laughs> We've got such a lucky situation, sorry, got a child here going crazy. Um, with such a lucky situation that we're in to be able to do that, you know. So I think that there wasn't many bands in the 80s that really had that catalogue. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of us that, that have sustained, that still get airplay these days, that match a lot of the kind of legendary 70s bands. You've got bands like Skinner and Deflin and the Beatles and the Stones from before the 80s that still get played every day. But in the 80s, it started to change after video. And I think there's, there's a, a dozen or so, you know, that we remember the videos as much as we remember the songs, you know, whether it's Easy Top or Duran Duran or us, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, you know, Depeche Mode, Iron Maiden. There aren't really that many. And we're in a very kind of a, a lucky situation where the sustain... It's, 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 it, we have managed to sustain that success because of the history of the, of the band. Taking it all the way back to the beginning when I first started wanting to do interviews with artists, Jeff Pilsen from Foreigner and Dawkin.
He took a chance on me. We were able to do the interview backstage at the Missouri State Fair in 2013. This was when Foreigner was really starting to catch steam. Of course, they really have rebuilt their brand, and they're out there doing major tours each summer, except, of course, for this one. But this time, uh, it was Foreigner and Starship at the Missouri State Fair, and is able to catch up with Jeff Pilsen backstage. I didn't even have a microphone, so the sound quality's crap, but you know what? It's great to look back on these moments and see how much we've grown. Now, you guys, you played some European shows. You're back in here, you know... Talk to the audience about this current incarnation of Foreigner because, you know, yourself, Kelly Hansen, uh, such a diverse, such a great lineup. Uh, talk to the people about that that may not be familiar with some of the some of the current members in the band. Well, um, it's it's a very exciting incarnation of the band, actually. Uh, Kelly and I have been in since, uh, well, I've actually been in t since 2004. He's, he and I have both been in since 2005. Tom Gimbel, uh, Kelly Hansen, by the way, is a beast. <laughs> he is a beast. Amazing singer, amazing frontman. Killer every night. Great guy. I mean, the whole package. Um, Tom Gimbel, who is the uh, second guitar player, sax player. Wow, how did I do this to my hands? Anyways, um, uh, and uh, great singer. Plays keyboards. Tom is the multi-instrumentalist, uh, talented dude in the band. He's been in the band about 20 years. Michael Bluestein on keyboards. Incredible keyboard player. Played with Anastasia, Enrique Iglesias, and decided to sludge it out with Forner because he loves the band. Um, and then we got a drummer by the name of Chris Frazier, the Razor, who is great. He's the newest member. And then rounding it out is uh, on guitar is Mr. Bruce Watson, who's pulling in for Mr. McJones. Yes, definitely wish him well. I know he's had some uh, some health concerns. He, he has, although he's doing much better. Good. And he did a lot of the shows. He did all the shows in Europe with us, so he's feeling much better. It's uh, he's on the road to recovery. He just didn't want to come to America in the summer with 100 degree heat. He, he, lives, he lives in New York, so oh. he, he already knows that story. A lot of people may not realize the intensity of this current incarnation of the band. Yeah. I mean, well, what can we expect from uh, this tour and this show here in the States? Well, we rock. <laughs> we we do. Heard it. I mean, we, we, there's a lot of energy in this in this version of the band, and we put it out there every night. So uh, people can expect not only high energy, but they can expect to sing along with lots of songs. Yeah. I mean, most people are very surprised to find out how many foreigner songs they didn't realize right. they knew. And so that's always a pleasant surprise. And people usually walk away very happy. Speaking of in-person interviews, was able to do this one with Mike Tramp about five years ago. Uh, Mike was on the road traveling by himself doing acoustic shows around the country. He came here to Kansas City to the Scene Rock Bar and was able to catch up with him several hours before he took the stage. It was really cool. There's a video of it if you want to check it out on our YouTube channel, Music Mania Podcast. But uh, this was a really cool one because uh, my partner on my sports show, Noah, and I uh, did this interview together and it was cool to catch up with Mike Tramp. He's been on the show many times before, many times after that, but this one was the only time we've ever been able to do it in person. All right, we are live here at the Scene Rock Bar here in Kansas City uh, with a very special guest, uh, Mr. Mike Tramp, the legendary voice of White Lion. And he's here doing a doing a solo uh, show tonight here at the scene. Mike, man, how's the tour been going so far? I know you've uh, been been going out this whole spring, and you got a, about a month, a little longer than that, still going on. How's how's the tour been going so far? And uh, you know, how's everything been going for you, man? The tour's going great, and and you know, like every day is a new day. I, I see something new every day. I experience something new every day, and then I get up on stage and play the same old songs. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You've got it's not the same old songs. You got uh, two new albums that you've had uh, two solo albums since 2013. You had Cobblestone Street uh, and Museum here in the last uh, couple years. So talk about those two albums, how much they mean to you, because I know you know uh, touring, doing doing your acoustic set. The, this music is very introspective. The lyrics are wonderful. The music is just is it is it is just great. Talk about these last two albums, what they've meant to you personally. 
Well, they've given me the strength to wanting to go on because there's no way that I could have continued if I was just getting up there and playing the same set list for the rest of my life and stuff like that. Um, I do understand the difference between making a new album and what songs you play live. I mean, I do understand and I do respect the audience that, you know, a lot of people coming to the show would like to be brought back, you know, 25 years or something like that. And then they're comfortable when they hear songs they know. And then there's those who have embraced the two past albums with, with open arms and looking forward to hear a few songs from that. So, but 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 personally for me, it, it's, uh, it's all about seeing that you're still able to do something new and, and, and express where you are in life at that moment. You know, there are a lot of artists out there and it's not for me to say, well, if it's good or, or bad what they do, but you know, that just choose to, to try to, to keep, you know, the same thing alive, you know, even though time passes mm -hmm. by and we get older and older. And, and for me, that's just an impossible thing to do is something that I don't want to do. I have to make sure that I evolve. I got, I respect that I, that, that, you know, mother nature, it gives me a year, every year, man, you know, and, and I grow older. So I try to find something that balances with, with how I feel and, and what I should be doing. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've always wanted to ask you, you, you grew up in Denmark. Uh, you are an artist in the truest sense of the word. You've, you fronted uh, a huge arena rock band in White Lion. You tour, you tour um, as a solo act. What, what, do you remember about being a kid? What was the first thing you remember about music in general as a, as a kid growing up? Is it something like from America that found its way over or is it something more European? Like what, what is your first memories as, from music as a kid? Well, definitely Elvis because my mom used to wake us up to either Elvis, Bob Dylan or Roy Orbison. And, and it, it, was just, it was just a gentle way to be woken up and, and you know, it made you feel well. And, and music just were always part of our home. I mean, in the first, in the first uh, place, just as, as something we listened to and enjoyed. So we come from a family that made music a big part of our life, that, that it had to be, be around where we were. And then later on, you know, we had an acoustic guitar and, 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 and the two, the three brothers would just, you know, sit and play from time to time and never ever had any bigger plan than, than just, uh, you know, just sitting and playing the guitar and singing and stuff like that. And then later on, I just took it to one step further. And that was really just to entertain my, my, my classmates or, or my, uh, my youth club friends when we went on vacations and, and when I was sitting in the back of the bus around the campfire. And it's in reality just really that concept that I've just made a little better, but never really gotten, gotten away from. Even the songwriting in White Lion, which I presented to Vito, and, and, and the many, many solo albums mm -hmm. I've had ever since, start from that simple format. And, and there's, there's almost a threshold that if it starts getting too complicated, it just shuts off and I go back to bass again. And it's basically just keeping, keeping my tram down where he's most comfortable and where he's strongest. And it, it keeps me real. Of course, there's some, some years where I went out on a limp and I went out searching and I tried to push the boundaries and, and something like that. But it pulled me back at times and saying, no, you're really only able to go this far and, 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 and stay with that. So, so yeah. it's sort of, you know, in a modest kind of way, it's saying, I, you know, I'm the world's bestest Mike Tramp and I only do what I can and I will not attempt to, to do something that I'm not comfortable with or something that I'm not able, able to do. Sure. 
well, with White Lion, you played such large arenas all around the world, and now you're playing clubs as a solo act. What do you miss about those large arenas with White Lion, and what do you like about the more intimate setting in clubs? Yeah, yeah. That, well, obviously, that's that's a good question. In that way, I mean, I don't, I don't miss, I don't miss the thing that people back home think that what it's like to be a big rock star and have the money and, and you know that whole thing that now everyday people are getting force fed by watching the Kardashians or five million <laughs> other reality shows yeah. that are not realistic in reality you know and something yeah. like that you, you know there is there there is of course the discovery of, of, of playing those kind of places the first time. Then the second chapter you become in, now it becomes a routine. You kind of get expected to be like that every night. There's 25,000 people waiting just for you to raise your hand and go, let me hear you. And they go, yeah, and stuff like that. And then when that's taken away years later, you go, what now? And then bit by bit, you, you, you find your way back to who you are. Now you're out some nice plane for, for 10 to 15 to 25 people or 200 people. And that, in in reality, is is the true test. But uh, so you know, I go on stage and I deal with the present moment, and I don't think back. I say, "Oh, I wish I had a tour bus, and I was playing for twenty five thousand people." Yeah. You know, it's just like this is where I am tonight, yeah. and and this is this is where my tramp is in his life. And you know, I can go back and I can, uh, you know, log into my internet bank and I see my I can see my check balance and I can. You know, I can kind of like it's like a thermostat of seeing how I feel and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's yeah. different, and and you know, it was just it was just never meant to last for that long long time. You know, I'm in a, not not a businessman when I had, you know, the wealth or, or, or that stuff that came with having the success and playing those big places. I just I never really thought about putting it aside or or, or making it last or invest and stuff like that it didn't fit within my, my 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 plan of just being a kid who enjoyed myself and finally this is a snippet from the interview i did with twisted sister guitarist jj french this was during the band's farewell tour they were just getting ready to play their final show in america which was um in sioux falls south dakota and at Goldlands pawn and jewelry i was at that show twisted sisters last show in america it was tremendous i was right up front right in front of the stage and we were able to catch up with jj french before this show happened and jj hey he tells it like it is no matter what it's springtime in america which means it's uh the summer's here jj and you guys are about to embark um on the on the next leg of the uh 40 and fuck it tour aptly titled my my dad was that a was that a jj thing or was that i mean that's that sounds like kind of a kind of a you thing did you come up with that no, you know, I'll tell you what it was. We were thinking of what we would call it. And, uh, and you know, I'm sitting around thinking, okay, it's 40 and farewell. And then it's like New York 40 and forget about it. And my girlfriend said, you know, your fan club is called the Sick Motherfucking Friends of Twisted Sister. And you come up on stage and you call yourself Twisted Fucking Sister. So why are you being so damned, like, modest? Just say 40 and fuck it. That's exactly how you feel. And I went, you know what? She's right. So Absolute. thank you, Sharon, for for uh, for giving me that idea. Aptly named too, JJ. Yeah, yeah absolutely for a band that. You know, you know, I think forty or fucking means a lot to a lot of people on a lot of different levels too, right? It, it does, it does, and for the band, uh, it's unbelievable that that uh, forty years uh, for this band, JJ, a band that's uh, you know <laughs> that's been your home for all this time, and and you're a fan, founding member of Twisted Sister, and of course you guys are going to call it quits. Um, October 1st in Lakewood, New Jersey. Uh, why, th why that uh, town? Why that you know, venue? Actually, you know what? 
that that's no no actually that that date is the last area date i don't know what the last date's going to be uh it could be the last date but right now it's just the last uh it's the only area date so there was like a misprint on that that's what that is well you know and i know you guys didn't want and d snyder's talked about it so you guys didn't want to do some prolonged uh you know farewell tour two years like motley Crue just did i mean that's obviously not what you guys are trying to do here well that's not it we really just don't do that i mean twisted sister plays 15 shows a year you know and that's that's how we were going to do it anyway so um it, it doesn't it was never part of our uh, it, it was never part of a plan to do something like that it's just that you know since we've been back together we have just done um you know 15 to 20 shows a year that's it and that's all we planned to do this year. In fact, we weren't even going to do it this year. Last year was going to be the last year, and uh, then AJ passed away, and we decided to make it more official. Um, but last year was going to be the last year. We were just going to just play the dates and just never play again. But we decided to officially say that it's over this time. You guys have been, you and, and D. Snyder both have kind of been outspoken. And we're in an area of bands now where bands are becoming, quote-unquote, brands. Uh, they're more so than identifiable identifiable you know uh, band members i mean you guys talk about uh guy you know kiss and how how they conduct business now you have axel rose playing with acdc i mean what are your thoughts on that and just kind of the whole idea of bands continuing on beyond their uh actual members playing in it which is unbelievable to me but well you know i, I think i think you have to look at this in a number of ways number one does it really matter what i think I mean, if a fan is going to buy a ticket and they're happy, then the fact that J.J. French thinks it's not authentic is kind of disingenuous. I mean, if you're going to buy it, then buy it. I mean, Foreigner's out there touring, and there's not a single original member of Foreigner. So in in essence, when people start replacing so many people, it becomes a cover band. But you know what? If people want that, then really, who am I to say... No. You know, I've got more of a problem with just the fact that a lot of bands aren't really good anymore. But then again, you know, again, if you're willing to pay for it, what does it matter if J.J. French says, I think that they're terrible or something, or they're not playing up to par, or we blow them off the stage or whatever. I mean, what is the point of saying it? We go out, we have a legacy to protect. We have a legacy to defend. We have a reputation about being the best live act in the world, and we take it seriously. And uh, if bands don't care, that's their business with their fans. And they want to charge, you know, the Rolling Stones charge $700 a ticket to see probably the worst rock band currently touring. I mean, the Stones are maybe the worst band I've seen in 20 years. And it's terrible. But, you know, they're the last living connection to the Beatles. So I guess people are willing to pay and put up with watching them decompose in front of your eyes, I guess. You know, I, I mean, the Stones fans are so old, they don't clap because they're afraid the lights will go on in the arena. So I... <laughs> Of course, that is merely just a few of the interviews that we have rolled out over the years here on the Music Mania Podcast. They all mean something to me. They're all special in one way or another, and uh, the ones that we brought you today are just uh, really cool time period pieces to go back and kind of look how, sh- how the show's evolved. You, you think back to that interview with Jeff Pilson where the audio was crap, and I was on the road. I didn't even have a mic. I had like a prop mic to make it look not as terrible as I'm trying to do this interview and I'm trying to film it. And I, I had no microphone and Jeff Pilson, I didn't want him to know that. So I had this like prop mic and things have really come a long way since then. So that was really cool. Take, thinking back to Ted Nugent and, and Joe Elliott, JJ French and Mike Tramp, uh, guys that we've all had on. It's just, it's surreal really. And it shows just kind of what you can do if you follow your dreams in life. That's what I've done. And that's what I've been afforded the opportunity to do is interview these tremendous musicians. Guys, thanks so much. 
Hope you'll all go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and and uh, subscribe to this show. It's important and that you leave a star rating and that you keep leaving feedback so that we know who you want to hear, what guests you want us to bring back on, which, which ones you never want to hear from again. Hey, it happens, right? Thank you so much for supporting the Music Radio Podcast. I am on the road here uh, on a vacation in beautiful Destin, Florida. Hope you guys are having a great summer. Stay with us here on the Music Radio Podcast as new interviews coming just next week and on into the rest of the month of August. And of course, all fall and winter long, your money stays and plays right here on the Music Radio Podcast.